It's been an incredible journey that you've had, but were there any other options? Or was it purely motorsport in your head? Or did you think, I could be an astronaut, I could be a postman? Like, was there anything else that interested you out there? I believe I have enough uh, driving skills to be a postman, so I could... Very quick one. <laughs> I could do this job as well, but uh, of course I really targeted to be a professional driver. We did something together with Mikko and I've seen his name on Finnish Junior Championship events but honestly when I went to airport to go to that Italy trip I had to buy a Finnish motorsport magazine to see a picture of Mr. Hirvonen and to find him from the airport. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's brilliant. That's how, that's how it started. Welcome everyone to WRC Backstories, our exclusive WRC podcast presented by Bex Williams. Welcome to wintertime in the Northern Hemisphere and welcome to the WRC Backstories podcast. It's November, everyone. How did that happen? This has got to be the slowest, quickest year ever. Across all WRC platforms, we've gone a bit nostalgic this week. And why not? We've got such a rich history in WRC to celebrate. This week in November, 25 years ago, Colin McRae sealed the world title and we have all kinds of magic lined up to transport you back to that era. So keep your eyes peeled for all of that goodness heading your way. For this podcast, nostalgia has hit me quite hard and I'm reliving a certain day in this month, 17 years ago. It was the 7th of November, location Wales. Weather conditions? Well, it was muddy, so there had been rain. Can only be talking about Wales Rally GB. The championship battle had gone right down to the wire in 2003, and excitement had reached fever pitch as we headed into the final round of the championship. A world watched and listened as a Norwegian and a Welshman flew over the flying finish in Margam Park to seal their second victory on Welsh soil, but more importantly, the 2003 World Championship title. Petter Solberg and Phil Mills delighted fans around the globe with their performance and the celebration at the end of the event stays with many right to this day. The realisation of a dream, World Rally Champions, it still gives me goosebumps thinking about it. Pet has achieved so much in his career and has amassed an incredible fan base over the years. His speed and skill attract them, of course, but the huge draw is his dynamic personality, his joy, his passion for the sport. Ever the showman, Hollywood was a natural nickname for the Norwegian. I felt with the anniversary of his championship win and his birthday also coming up, he was a prime target for our next Backstories podcast. And of course, with a quick text message and a quick call, he was well up for the experience, thankfully. So let's head to Norway and find out a little bit more about the life before Petter became a motorsport hero. Okay then, joining me on the line now is the man that we've been talking about, Petter Solberg, who back in 2003 secured that WRC title, which was in this week back then. How time flies, such a long time ago. Petter, thank you for joining me. Where are you in the world right now? Are you at home or are you somewhere glamorous? No, uh, I'm locked. Locked down at my team base with my mechanics, and uh, we are 
working <laughs> but in in sweden uh, in sweden yes so we are rebuilding a lot of cars there i can tell you about a little bit later so you're in torsby right now then yes exactly yeah and lockdown what a weird time it's been this year hasn't it with everything that's been going on in the world it's been crazy how have you been dealing with it all well of course you know we have to be respectful about it you know but um you know, all the people we work here, we take all the tests and we, we take care of each other all the time and um, and hoping for doing more rallies, you know. But I think in general, you know, the organization or how it's been with this this uh, rallying we have done have been very professional, how they have been uh, taking care of all the all the people and mechanics and the organizers. So it's been actually worked very well from, from the rallies we have done uh, already, but... Uh, we just have to do the best we can. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, that is it. I have, I have fond memories of your your um, workshop there in Torsby. I remember coming to a WRC event a good few years ago, and I was with my friend and your friend Tona, and we wanted some <laughs> wine. I remember this. It was kind of 8 o'clock in the evening. We wanted some wine, and we knew we couldn't buy any anywhere in Torsby. <laughs> so Tona calls you. Are you, are you, at, the, are you at the factory were coming down to get some wine and you and Penilla were there and we left with two bottles of wine after a little tour which was fantastic <laughs> so yeah yeah but you know it's always a solution that's the thing you know but in my workshop here you know we have we have uh, everybody together and we have all the trophies and you know we have a wine bar and we have uh, you know we have everything here and lot of cars and so you know, it's all about the atmosphere. You know, this yeah. is why we have this uh, this workshop like it is. It's a little bit different compared with many, but uh, as long as everybody's happy and uh, and work hard, then it's okay. Huh? Now, I've caught up with a lot of people for this podcast, Petter, from drivers, co-drivers to engineers, team managers. And uh-huh. what it's all about is is finding out a bit more about you as a person. So, you know, some things that people might not know about you. And <laughs> Scary. <laughs> Scarier. <laughs> to, to start off, I want you to describe yourself in just three words. How would you describe yourself, your character? Or in three words? Just three. Uh, that's impossible, you know. Uh, oh. uh, I'm, I'm super motivated uh, with everything I do, uh, and of course, especially around this motorsport. Uh, um, so we'll take uh, motivated as one then. Yeah, okay, motivated as one. <laughs> uh, I know I'm. I can be pain in the ass because I'm very involved and and very perfectionist with everything I do with uh, with everybody around me. So I don't know how we're going to put that one. We'll um, just say we'll just say ah, oh, shall we? <laughs> but um, and I want to win you know that's I think this is the thing what we do things and it can be maybe tough for many people sometimes because the acceptance of of uh, not have a chance to fight for a victory you know then I get really pissed off to be honest with you You then you have to work harder and you have to find solutions very very quick and and then um, yeah I think that's it uh. 
Yeah, I think that describes you perfectly. But I want to know if, if you've always been like that. Take me back to a young Petter Solberg running around the snowy fields in Norway. When you were a very young little boy, what were you like? Were you always this determined? Were you always this passionate? Well, if you ask my parents, I was a pain in the ass. You know, I was jumping around all the time and... and um, and well, but the story has come back from uh, from my, the Raider Control Championship. You know, I think where you put the base, and and um, I think I never saw a problem in anything. You know, you just have to find a solution for it. And and this thing with the Raider thing uh, control, when when I came in, I was the youngest guy. My engine broke down. Nobody wanted to borrow my engine because I was the fastest out of eighty drivers all the way in Norway. And um, and then in some sort of way, I got the engine uh, from somebody. I borrowed some money to buy one, I think, because I didn't have any money. And then I ended up winning the race. Um, but I, okay, I have actually a better story. Go on. So before this race, it was like a qualifying around in all of Norway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So only the winner from each county uh, could go to the final. So okay. my brother won the first race. He saw he was uh, direct uh, to the final. And then my mother drove it to another place and I was second again. Drove me to the third place. I was second again. And uh, she said, ah, no, no, now it's enough. You know, it's uh, too much traveling and, and uh, no, 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 come on, I said. So she went to the fourth place. I was second again. And she said, okay, that's, that's it, you know. So I called a friend of my father and uh, I, I don't know how you say, but I didn't go to school that day. Okay. My parents didn't know. I was agree with this guy. And we went alone, me and him, to a county, you know, far away because I want to go to the final. And, uh, and then I won it. And then, you know, uh, mission accomplished and then... Then we went to this final, like I said, with the engine, and then I won it. So it's all about uh, pushing limits, for sure. And of course, that can be hard for many people sometimes. But uh, I never stop, uh, basically. No, you don't. You don't. And I wonder what what you were like at school in terms of your schoolwork, because we know what you're like with regard to motorsport, and that's your passion, and that's where you've really excelled but what were you like as a young boy in school in terms of the subjects that you had you know well, math, science languages what were you like in school were you good in school my teacher said that uh, i remember this very well very well because my, my mother tells me a few times that i was the nicest guy in the classroom i was the most happy guy in the classroom uh, i was talking a little bit too much and uh, the focus was not so much so good inside the classroom, but when I had passion for something, I gave 110%. So we don't, uh, we don't talk about so much what I was good at. You know, I was good in gym. <laughs> I was good in, <laughs> I was good in, uh, in uh, religion and, uh, and stuff like that, but uh, not so much uh, mathematics, you know? Yeah. 
yeah, same as me. I'm useless at maths. And that's what I have to do now as my job with all the splits and counting the differences. It drives me mental. But, but anyway, I, yeah. I think your teacher had you completely described because you're always, you're always happy and you're always looking for the positives in, in situations and circumstances. And you've been through so much in your career, but we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. You talked about the radio control cars, but I want to know when you first got behind the wheel of a car and realized that this is what you wanted to do. When was that? Well, this is the thing, you know, when, you, when you're living in a farm like we had, you know, and we had, you know, a lot of animals, cows and pigs and horses and everything. And, uh, um, and we worked on the farm, me and my brother, but we, uh, we were not so interested in that, you know. So mm -hmm. um, my parents almost lost their farm because there was not. So my father also drug, uh, drove a truck beside to try to keep the farm alive, and uh, and that didn't work. So we almost lost the family farm, and that was not easy uh, time. Um, but um, at the end of the day, that's uh, you know you come into to difficult times in in life and. And then, but our biggest interest was uh, was motorsport, you know. So when we stayed on the farm, we were we were me and my brother. We were starting to build cars, you know, from a very early age. We have the, actually done the calculation on it, and we built fifty cars, uh, autocross cars, for our parents and uncles and many other people, and we made hundred engines. Wow! And that was only me and my brother together. Uh, but for sure, we, we started to drive car when we were maybe uh, seven years old. No, no, six six years old. Six years old, a Beetle, first time. Oh, brilliant. Um, what a great car. Yeah, we had so many. We were specialists on Beetles, basically, that time, you know, to build engines. And my parents won, won a lot uh, that time uh, because they started autocross in 82. And then my father was not so very good mechanic, so me and my brother was fed up to go to the races to, to not have any results. So we started to build the cars, and then my parents won, started to win everything. So I can tell you one thing: to be on a race and and not be competitive is not really good fun. <laughs> so, so I can imagine. You mentioned your brother, your brother, your brother. You're referring to Henning, yes. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I want to know what it was like growing up with Henning Solberg, because when we see you two together, or in the past, when you've been on rallies together, when you were competing together, the, the, the friendly, funny rivalry between you both was, was incredible to watch. But I, I can't imagine you two in a house together. Your mother must have the patience of a saint to deal with you both. What was it like growing up with Henning? Well, my mother, yeah, she is cool. She's crazy and really good fun. You know, happy, very happy always. And and uh, but of course, it got too much sometimes uh, with me and Henning. You know, we did a lot of strange things. You know, and and uh, <laughs> it's so many stories from back home there that uh, it's maybe not good to get on the air because it's 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 not right. You know. Um, oh come on! But, uh, you can't say that and then not give me uh, any stories. No, no, no. We we have first of all we have killed so many cars, uh, you know, back home, mm -hmm. and 
but my, my, my parents have been, you know, they've always very good. They let me and my brother do whatever we wanted on the, with cars and, and uh, back home. And, um, but it's all about respect again. So, but they get fed up sometimes, you know, still now that at Christmas when we are talking about uh, cars all the time. And, and uh, one time my mother said, okay, no motorsport tonight at Christmas. And I can tell you that it got so quiet on the on the dinner table. So my mother said, okay, forget it. This is boring, you know. <laughs> Come on. And then it was full throttle again. So That's brilliant. <laughs> I love that. I love that. When I was looking back at your results over the years, the first I could pick up for you um, was back in 1996 at a Norwegian event. So when did the rally for you actually get underway? When did you decide that you were going to give rallying a go? Uh, this, is, this is very interesting because you know, my first race was uh, autocross on the day I was 18 and I came second and I did my second race and I won it in a wow. beetle, of course. Of course, and, what else? Yeah, and... Um, uh, and then I started with the escort in hill climb and rallycross. And then yeah. I got uh, two silver medals. And then, uh, you know, the Volvo 240 I have in the museum, you know, we built that on the farm for my brother to, to drive it. So he was champion many times there. Then I took that car over and I won, you know, 19 out of 21 races with the car. Uh, yeah, we won everything, to be honest with you. And then when you won, won uh, the championship, you know, four times, we were thinking, you know, um, I have to try something else. So then I actually got an offer from Martin Skanke to drive the Ford RS200 in Rallycross. Mm -hmm. That was the one thing. And the second thing, I got the contract to do the Renault Spider Cup in, you know, before the Formula One races. So I went yeah. to a test there and I was the second fastest. and. A little bit boring, but I was fast. And then it ended up that, okay, let me try rallying also and see what it is. So then I bought a car in Umeå, you know, where uh, Thomas Rolstrom lives. Yeah. Who's, I mean, 1,200 kilometers from where I lived. Went up there on, uh, flew up there on Wednesday. I bought that Volvo 240 original. Uh, I had five only rally tires on the car, drove it from there, back home, and I had five spares in the car, and I had, I, I punctured all the five tires, because it was rally tires, I drove the whole way. Um, came to the border on, I think it was on a Friday morning, and then my brother's uh, wife needed to come, because it was Swedish number plates on it, to drive it over to the border. Took it back home, uh, got my sponsors on it, put it on the power steering on it, went to the first um, race on Saturday morning. So I was finished with the car, I mean, six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And then uh, I did the race and I remember Ola Flöne tried to help me with the pace notes because I didn't understand anything about pace notes. And um, my brother's wife, she, Maud, she said, uh, I car driver and she said she was a good car driver and she didn't have a clue. She didn't have a clue at all, you know. So on the first stage, because it was the biggest class in Norway, 
and she threw the pesos in the back and I drove with what I saw and I ended up second. And uh, wow. after that, I thought, bloody hell, this was good fun. So that's when I, I borrowed, first of all, my brother's uh, Toyota 165 and leading in front of Henning on the first race and I had a big accident. And, uh, but it was still good fun. So I sold, um, I sold my Volvo. I went to the bank and borrowed money and then uh, because I borrowed money for all my Escort, Volvo, and the Toyota, because, you know, it was the only choice, you know? Yeah. And that's it. That's where the rallying started, and I ended up Norwegian champion in 98. Yeah, I mean, you I look back at the, the results in Norway, which are quite spectacular, but I love that story about Maud jumping in the co-driving seat, Henning's wife. I had no idea of that that's yeah. a classic little story and the fact that you just ditched the pace notes and, and then rallied by sight brilliant yeah but it, it was good fun and then you had Olaf Lerner trying to help me how you know what what was that corner and that corner you know but forget it, it was no point so but that was a big learning curve you know because in in rallying compared with rally cross or whatever you know it's so many other uh, things you have to think of you know mm. and I must say, it was a big job to be from scratch, coming from something else and and um, and learn about this, you know. The only thing we did was to go to Swedish Rally to watch Tommy Mekin and, and Colin McRae and all these guys living in the in the in the bus, you know, in minus twenty and and um, yeah, to follow them basically, you know. So it was a dream, but it, it looked so far away, basically, you know. But I, I'm sure at the time it must have seemed so. And you, you mentioned there watching Tommy, watching Colin McRae, and it's coming up to the, the 25 an year anniversary of, of Colin's championship win, um, yeah. which, which is quite unbelievable. And there you are in, in the forest in Sweden watching him compete and hoping to, to be like these guys one day. Yeah, but the thing is, you know, when I was 18, I did my first autocross race. My dream was to be a, a mechanic, you know. But in some sort of way, I was pretty fast, you know, after being driving on the farm and in the forest. So we, we never knew or had a thought about it. We, the only thing we have done is building cars. Yeah. And, um, but uh, things happen, you know, and I, I think it's coming from determination, passion, uh, love of what you do and, and never giving up. It's so many areas you have to cope with, you know, and, um, and you have to, uh, yeah, again, rallying is a sport you really have to respect because it's so many things you can take you out. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Talk to me about what you found in terms of the challenge, the most difficult, because you mentioned, you know, not having a clue about pace notes and fast forward to this day and age now and, and your pace notes are legendary for having so much detail and co-driver having to talk really quickly to get all that detail in. But take me back to then when having another person in the car is alien, but having another person in the car talking all these instructions at you is alien as well. How did you adapt to that? Well, the same, the same again, you know, it, it's, it's something you have to get just used to you know and okay i had a lot of information but i thought it was way of thinking because when you're coming uh, from a rallycross you need 
you need every coin to be perfect. If not, you lose two tenths, three tenths, four tenths. It's so quickly to lose it. So mm. it's better to have very perfect run, basically, and have a clean run. And then, you know, obviously try to get away from this, uh, this, this uh, moments or, or big risks, you know. Yeah. But still, you know, in some sort of way, I felt like I maybe came in too early, into maybe when I had the chance with Malcolm. Uh, to come into the proper car, I, I maybe should have built it up more experience first. So, so of course I did too many mistakes when when I was with him. And and um, but um, let's talk about that year because you were Norwegian champion in '98, right? Yes. And yeah. then Went on in in '99. Obviously, that was the year where we saw you really step up onto the world stage. Mm. Um, uh, you started off we saw you in the in the Swedish rally and Phil Mills was alongside you there but it was a safari rally where you stepped in for Thomas Radstrom which really shone a light on your your ability and what you could do you were fifth overall which was quite incredible tell me yeah, I, about that time well it, it was a big pressure you know first of all my English was very bad you know and when I had Phil Mills in the car, you know, I didn't understand really well. I didn't get it into my head properly, the pace notes, you know, um, what he said in Swedish rally that time, you know. And, so let's, um, let's just clarify, that was the first time then you had English notes was on that Swedish rally, yeah? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it was, I mean, oof, that was difficult. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's the best language to have because it's, you are much more cold drivers around who is very good with, uh, who can read English. So I understood exactly what Malcolm, why Malcolm did it afterwards, not straight away, because I would like to have my co-driver Katomenkri in, you know. Yeah. Uh, but Malcolm didn't allow me and, and needed an English co-driver. And that was because of the communication with the team and everything. So it makes sense, you know, Malcolm is very smart in, in, in all these areas, you know. And, um, Obviously, when I came to Safari Valde, you know, and then I needed Fred Gallagher in the car. And, uh, you know, it's a guy with a lot of respect for, with experience. And so, it, it, and a new car again, you know, it, everything happened so quick with so many things. And then, of course, I was too fast on the shakedown. And then I got bullying from uh, Malcolm, you know, so I was down on my floor and crying. And, you know, it, and he was absolutely right, you know, but... Yeah, I was a very sensitive person, so it's uh, it's hard to tackle, you know, that world basically when you're coming from this, <laughs> you know, the small farm in Norway into yeah. the big world. So it was a big step because I didn't have anybody to ask or learn from or 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 uh, or anything. So. It's a big, I, big pressure thing for sure. Yeah, I, I'm sure it is. But, you know, in terms of that safari rally, going from obviously Malcolm, as you said, giving you a bit of a shouting at to, to glory effectively, because it was a great result there at the safari. Yeah, but he almost sent me home after shakedown in safari rally, you know. Really? And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in one way, you know, uh, I deserved it. And, and, and at the same time, he you got a different mentality before the race because it, it, Safari Rally, it's a, it's, it's an incredible hard rally and, and 
again you know i would like loved all of it to to do it because it, it's um it's adventure it's itself mm -hmm. you know so but at the end of the day it went well i um i helped colin on the stage also when he got stuck in the water splash and pulled in and pushed him out and and made him you know be a part of his victory also was uh, was a huge thing and uh, and uh, <laughs> he's still a lot of stories around that also but uh, we leave, I think we should leave a little bit like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Some, some things maybe should be left unsaid. Tell me a little no. bit about working or being in a team with, you know, uh, McRae, effectively. Um, and what, what that was like, what he was like as a driver, and did you learn from him? You know, the thing is, you know, um, I lived in, in, in Cumbria for a while, and then... You know, I was doing a lot of job, different jobs there, and I was also working, building my own car there, the Focus. Uh, actually, to be honest with you, I love that car to drive. If it suited my driving style, fantastic. And uh, and then, uh, of course, being in the team with uh, Colin and Carlos, that was uh, it was a big thing. And but Colin was so nice to me and helped me and and uh, you know. We trained a lot together, you know, went for dinners a lot and and I must say he took me he took me he took care of me. When when I was in the shit sometimes with with the crashing or whatever, he it was a good motivation help from him, you know, because I think he had been through the same himself, maybe on a different scale. <laughs> but uh uh it was good to have this friendship feeling, you know. A teammate yeah. that you know, take care of you and and uh, and stuff. So, and then we played a lot of dirt. You know, when the Colin McRae game came out, you know, we tested and drove a lot in the, in the hotel room all around the world to develop that together. And um, just in just very very enjoyable. You know. Yeah. No, I I I can I well I can't imagine, but I can imagine in a way how how great that time must have been especially for you you're a, a young driver back then you've had success at home and then you're into the world championship in with the Ford team you're surrounded by legends McRae science what were the feelings that you were experiencing back then in your career did you feel at that point Petter that yes this is absolutely what I want to do I'm in the right place now or were there mixed feelings tell me tell me what no, was going through your no mind. no I uh... I was so happy and uh, you know I went to every test they did basically yeah? I was there in the morning from morning to late night to have a, hopefully have a chance to jump into the car uh, with some of them and Colin gave me always a run at the end and I was shitting myself to be honest with you you know I, I thought how the hell I'm going to drive like this because he came in the back end into the corner and everything was six gear and you know uh, so I was thinking you know okay I have to step up. I have to really think, and uh, and uh, so that was good. You know, when you are together with winners, you, I was so close to them all the time, mm. until they get so fed up with me. So they were, they said a few times, Peter, please don't ask any more questions. You know, we are fed <laughs> up. You know, and I think I went away for five minutes, and I start to ask questions again. Why this and why this and da da da, and I got, they said, okay, Peter, okay. One more time, and that's it, you know. <laughs> but uh, I was pushing. You have to learn the most you can, you know. I've never yeah. been afraid of asking questions. Even now, you know, I, I still want to learn 
because it's always things that going forward and and uh, and uh, yeah. yeah you should never be afraid of asking you know no because... you're completely right you are and you know when you are surrounded by people like that in a team like that of course you're going to want to ask as many questions as possible because you are still learning in a massive way but yeah it, it must have been fun times Petter. must have been huge fun uh, it, it was it was very special and even you know when we talk you know everything in the sport even if it's formula one or rally or motor gp or the history you can never take away and this is mm. the thing that is very important to take care of also you know yeah. uh, that's why i taken care of you know many of my cars i've been driving also and and helmets every helmet every overall since my first race when i was 18 and called me old-fashioned but i i think it's um I think it's a great thing because you can't beat rallying, to be honest with you. Yeah. Okay, I went into rallycross and stuff uh, for a few years, but again, you can't compare it. What, what is it about it that, that, that makes it so special? Because Loeb says exactly the same thing. You know, he says when he comes back into it, this is what really sparks his passion. Rallying mm. is what satisfies him over any other form of sport. And he's also done different things like yourself but what is it about rally that that makes it the the absolute best for me, for any driver that competes in it this is what they want to do well well first of, first of all okay it, it was great that he didn't beat me in rallycross you know so that's that's uh, <laughs> even low came in so um, that that's maybe the, <laughs> a fantastic feeling i was so motivated when he came in and uh, and uh, equal terms and everything so that, that was great um but rallying again you know everything is about time for the mechanics for the co-driver for the driver uh it's it's all all these things who's involved or doing it and you're going to the stage it's you and the car and the time and to try to be perfectionist as possible and also to get the car that is working on every stage every rally uh, and you always have to look at compromises and this is maybe a thing i've learned a lot in the in the in the last uh, eight to ten years you know about about this area you know what what is important yeah to have an easy car to drive and and uh, and stuff like that so but it's it's so much with the teamwork to get the engineer to to think the same as you, uh, make a plan with the management, uh, you know how we're going to tackle a rally and a year and stuff like that. So it's a big, big job, you know. To be honest with you, compare with a like me comparing again with a rallycross race or something, you know. Okay, that's also a big job, but this this is a completely different, uh, completely different level, you know. Yeah, absolutely. It it is. And it's incredible that you've had experience of so much of it now. I mean, we're still kind of talking early on in your career, but let's, let's talk about this week because this is the anniversary week. I think it was, was it Monday or Tuesday was the actual date of the 2003 championship victory for you, which, mm. you know, when you look at where you were in 99, coming into the WRC, coming into the sport, it's quite a quick turnaround to get a championship title under your belt. It was impressive. I mean, it, it, 
it really, it really it was, was when you look back on it. Yeah, I, I, uh, you know, it, it was in the fight for many times, you know, and and uh, and and, uh, and for sure the, the the fight and the competition and all the drivers from the old generation to the new generation was there was maybe missing Ogier, uh, basically, you know, yeah, and um, and it was many teams. So, so it, it was it was incredible, and even you know the cars that time was was great to watch. Um, the atmosphere was incredible, but it was it was proper competition. Um, but to have that possibility to come in and, and have a chance to win, uh, and this again is thanks to actually you know maybe who's maybe I have never got enough credit that to build up young drivers is Malcolm and. With his experience and and how we've been working, you know, I think a lot of this helped me to be a champion uh, that time, you know. So, and then uh, I remember I remember the day very well. <laughs> and then, I'm sure uh, you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, and 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 then, and also for for Norway's part, also, you know, it was a huge thing in Norway. Um, but again, in, everything is in different era. But for me, that year was uh, was incredible. Uh, yeah. To be honest with you, it was. I mean, I remember the rally vividly in my mind. I remember interviewing you just after shakedown, and there was a quite a number of journalists. We were all waiting to talk to you, and Sky News from the UK was there with a cameraman. And the journalist knew nothing about rallying. And he said to me, you were walking towards us. And he, he got too nervous. He basically said to me, I'll give you my microphone. You do the interview for me. <laughs> and I, I, was all, I was shitting myself then. I was already feeling the pressure as it was with all these journalists around me and you, you know, the potential next world champion walking towards me. And I, I remember it vividly because I, I didn't know, you know how you were going to react, if you were going to be nervous if you weren't going to say much, but you were so relaxed. That was my memory, was how relaxed you were, how, how you were laughing with us, you were making jokes with all of the journalists. And I thought, this is a man who is not feeling any pressure, or if he is, he's not showing it at all. You were so at ease. And that was just after shakedown with the whole weekend ahead and you know every possibility, because there were a number of drivers who could, could win the championship that way. Yeah, yeah. And as you said, you're looking at the top flight drivers, serious competition, but it didn't seem to phase you at all. Do you remember that relaxed feeling that, that you showed us? Were, were you feeling that relaxed or was that a bit of an act? No, no, of course you were nervous. But the thing is, you know, I, I, I knew the car very well. I was happy with the balance and it was easy to drive. And, you know, when, when the team have done the job around and we have done the, the good testing, and everything is in in uh, in the right the right way, you know. Everything is possible. So mm. my confidence was very high. But then you have to try to find a balance of speed, you know, on every stage also. Um, and that time you can also cut the tires. So it was a little bit different tire uh, tire choice cutting for between me and Loeb. And then I you have to analyze where he will. Be. <laughs> then you have to think about where he will gain the time on the. On that part and I will take it back on that part and you know because we had split times and you know so um, it, it, it was uh, you know more 
details like that is involved in the sport. Like I yeah. think we should cut tires again, you know, just to let you know, because it can make a difference more than what you can say now of you know, first on the road. Okay, you will lose time, but let's have a chance to cut, do something because at least you can gain some, you know, lose less basically in one yeah. way, you know. So I, I remember the, you know. It, there would always be, you know, the black art, the magic of the cutting of the tyres. Who was doing what, whether they were doing lateral cuts or or whatever. And, you know, the tyre gurus of every team coming up with, mm. with different scenarios. That was fascinating. It was a whole story in itself just on, on the cutting, which, yeah, for, I loved. For, for sure. You know, I, I loved it. It's one more thing to talk about, you know. <laughs> We have to make stories when you do a sport. And okay, I understood that more and more after uh, you know a few years again, you know. Yeah. But uh, we, are, we, we are here to create stories, a part of something, and not, uh, yeah. Because we, we, everything is so obvious now, you know, when you have a first on the road or a second on the road. And, but let's play the game and, and start back again, you know. It's, Okay, it's a lot of work with cutting tires, but uh, we are here to work when you're on the race, so uh, <laughs> so let's do it. But end of the day, end of the day, you know the 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 fight there who ended up with me and Lob at the end, you know, was was uh, quite remarkable. You know, the the, the discussion before the stages, uh, the bullshit that went around, and and. Uh, and of course, I I knew I can take them, but you just need to do it at the right time, you know, and and um, and do, do it as a calculation. So, mm. but coming over the finish line with Phil in in that country, and it was great. And then I remember also very well one of the first guys who came to congratulate me was actually Malcolm Wilson, also, and I will never forget that. Yeah, yeah, special moment I can imagine. Uh, I, I, well. It, I remember vividly, and I'm sure everyone who's listening remembers the images of you, you know, crossing the finish line there at Morgan Park, the celebrations that happened, the elation that you were a world rally champion. And, and Phil, of course, in his home country, doing it at home, extra special. And Wales was your, was your first WRC win just the year before. So it, it, was, mm. it was so many special moments all together. And the reaction in Norway was quite incredible. I remember watching yeah. all, the, all the ceremonies and events that they had when you went back home, the celebration of their champion. That was immense. What did that feel like? Yeah. Celebrated. No, well, of, of course, you know, it was 10,000 people in my hometown and we are only, that time it was uh, three, 4,000 living there, you know, and, <laughs> and live TV and, and, uh, and of course, Tommy making, he let me use his uh, plane and, um, but also, you know, from the king and the prime minister, it was a huge, huge thing in that area, you know. And I also won most trophies from yeah, People's Prize in in Norway, the Journalist Prize from Norway, you know, and uh, and other sports people in general uh, prize in Norway, uh, the the Sportsman of the Year, um, you know. So I have actually. With one another guy won the most prizes on the sports gala of anybody. Wow. And so the 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 respect we got there was 
was very very important for motorsport and you saw that also after that you know the the growing of motorsport in Norway went very quickly up that they can see that it is actually possible yeah. and um but it's a big job you know you, you can't just lay on the beach and enjoy you know it's you you have to be flat out all the time to be honest with you on eat breathe and think all the time about what to improve and and uh, uh, and I honestly I did I did absolutely everything and and pro drive uh, they were very very impressive there to be honest with you you know when David Richard and David Lapin and all these guys had this human performance team to take care of you yeah it's incredible you know with the food the training I went down to six six point seven in fat percent you know I went down to the lowest weight I ever been, you know. I shaved my legs, cut my toenails, and I if you asked me to cut the finger to be faster, I, I would have done it, you know. So <laughs> I mean but but you but you need you need the people around you to take care of you, to be happy and enjoy and feel comfortable. And uh, yeah. and the atmosphere was really, really good fun. With all that success, Petter, and you know, it was, as you say, an incredible year and you were so celebrated back home. Was there, was there the chance? I, I, I can imagine you're going to say no here because I've never known you to have an ego in any way, shape or form. You've always been down to earth. But there's obviously the possibility of with all this success, you become a bit of a different person. You think, you know, well, I am the champion. I am great. I'm, you know, I can do anything. But I suppose that's not your character but also you have people around you who would very much keep your feet on the ground but yeah for for sure you know it i uh, i was planning next year already i was on it and and honestly i was maybe in my best form and best prepared for uh, 2004 so for me you know it depends what is your goal in life but for um, for me it's all about driving and improving and and take care of the people around me so um i'm not the guy who's going to the red carpet and bars and try to be a celebrity or something you know for me it's what i'm doing and 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 that's it you know i i don't have to try to be anybody you be yourself and what what do you want you choose your way yourself and and like I said, 2004 was um, my was maybe my best year. You know, consistency, the speed, and and uh, okay, we had some issues, but uh, I was sure that we're gonna win ten rallies. I said, I told the team we will ten win ten rallies uh, next year, no problem at all. You know, so I was full of confidence. That's for sure. So I won five or six, and I think I was leading the four others, and then. Okay, we had the water splashing and uh, some details, but uh, but the uh, car was uh, for sure uh, was very good in two thousand and four. You know, it's interesting to to look across those years and the the remainder of years with Subaru, and then they left the championship, which was was disappointing for for everyone. Um, yeah, it, that is so long story, you know. But uh, if 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 you stay inside the positive part here, you know that. Uh, First of all, I would really like to beat Loeb much more, uh, but of course I respect for him and the team, you know, how they did it, you know, I understand why they did it. Um, and it's a clever way of doing it. You should never change too much or do too many big different things. Um, in general, you should do 
work on details and perfectionism and and stuff like that. So, but uh, yeah, they were in a good position for many years, and uh, but that's how it is. I'm happy with what I've done in my career and and my results and had a fantastic relationship with all the teams I've been in and and uh, you have and definitely you've had such an interesting career because you know you had the private team where you learned a huge amount about what it was like to to have a private team run a team and you had great people around you uh, the Citroen then going into Ford at the end of it all before switching to Rallycross there's so many interesting factors of your WRC time uh, but the yeah, one it, the, the one yeah. thing is that you were so passionate throughout the entire thing your passion never ever waned over the years it never reduced it was always so hard I, I think one of the things you know if a team pulls out or something happening it was not enough team to go into because everybody was signed up yeah. what you do first of all you i believed in myself you know uh, i know i know i was fast so then you have to take your own responsibility if you want to continue you can't mm -hmm. sit and wait for anybody to 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 do something because you know every sport is going through circles of of different uh, periods you know and so that's why we did it ourselves it was a massive job um but you know again i had a lot of people around me that believed in what we did and and then it's also coming up to many stories that this it's not so positive also through this uh, experience, but uh, but it's just, I put it into my book, you know, of experience that I can maybe give further to to Oliver or other drivers that to not go into this, uh, these few areas basically, you know, so. Well, but yeah. I wouldn't have been without it. I wouldn't have been without it because the family feeling and, and the joy between every every team when you are around and when we did this traveling and and uh, away from families and having dinners together and and come together you know i i would never ever have been without it to be honest with you because it's so enjoyable and you know you know what i mean no absolutely i absolutely do and you know behind the scenes with everything that's going on in your rally world and your you know creating your team you talk about family there Oliver was growing up. Oliver was on was on events. I remember him very vividly as as a young little toddler walking around with a toolkit. You know, you could tell straight away back in the day that motorsport was going to be in his career path, and he was there throughout all of it. So he's really grown up with it. What what better grounding to have in rallying than by growing up with you and seeing it firsthand? Well, he have seen and learned a lot, and and I I think he have seen a, you know he he have been on every race since he was born almost you know, and he was born three months too early, so it was a little bit struggle from the start. But uh, but at the end of the day, um, I think the kids have to choose their own direction, and obviously with Oliver to have the balls to to follow my footsteps, yeah, it's his own choice. Mm. Um, but uh, we tried to get him into football and ice hockey and and uh, tennis and everything. And then until uh, the grandfather, Per Inge Valfredsson, Per Inge's father, took him, started with the cross cart. Then he thought, okay, I'm, uh, I, I really enjoy this. He also enjoyed ice hockey a lot, you know, but 
he was so small for ice hockey, you know. So he was used yeah. like a like a ball, you know. They kicked him more than the the, the puck, you know, what you call it, you know. So, but uh, um, but, but he loves what he's doing, and he have he had been done cross cut since he was seven years old, and and um, a, little, a little bit different direction, and than many other different sports, maybe compared with color over and Peter, but mm. but. Uh, but he's and managed he, to then, choose the, the most sorry? expensive. He's managed to choose, out of all you've said, football, ice hockey, he's managed to choose the most expensive career path better. Well, it depends what you do. You, know, you invest in your kids and you know, whatever you do. He's, he has never been drinking. You know, he's fit. He's happy. Uh, and he has his goal of what he's trying to do the best. So, mm. you know, the mentality is there. Uh, he had been to motorsport school in France for three years at uh, Le Mans. So that was own decision. Um, and you know, many people and team don't like that the parents is is uh, in the background so much. But you know, if you can give him the experience that what to do and not to do, and of course you have to do your own mistakes also at the same time. But you just want the best for him to 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 do the right thing all the time and if you crash too much then it's less rallies and it's very simple so and you know how to work with sponsors and so it's a big learning thing uh, around it but the main thing for me that i see is smile he's happy if he's worried i'm will there be there for him and and uh, and uh, give him the love that makes him smile again you know and yeah no, it's great. But he's enjoying. He's motivated. That is for sure. That's no problem. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> we can yeah. certainly see that. And his, his career path is, is going to be a fascinating one, I'm sure, because the talent is, is quite scary in how talented he is at such an early age. Were you is quite it... surprised by, you know, the pace that he delivers consistently? Well... The thing is, you can, we can say whatever we want, you know, but at the end of the day, it's the results that counts, you know, and, and, uh, and stuff. But when we started rally crossing when he was 15 and rallying when he was 15, um, but, but, but okay, I can take the rallying first. It was actually Heidi Rohenpeter who helped Oliver to get the license and start to drive uh, rallies in Latvia. Yeah. So that was actually Heidi Rohenpeter who fixed and did everything for us. You know, to uh, you know, again, nice friendship to have, and and so it's actually Harry's responsibility that Oliver started rallying basically in that early age, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. So, and then he did rallycross, you know, with my Citroen with 600 horsepower, four wheel drive. Uh, so did rallying in the front wheel drive for two years and rallycross with the 610 horsepower uh, in the Nordic Championship, and he got Nordic champion when he was 16. Um, on the 16 years birthday also, mm. so the surprise meant was maybe more when he jumped into the rallycross car and beat my lap record in Hullius in front of me and Johan Christoffersen with the with the Citroen at the same day, same time, with the same car. So that that was maybe you know a little bit scary, and we tried to understand how he could do it. Yeah, and and uh, again, it's it's details, you know. His details. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit more about you because 
Oliver is, is a podcast all on his own with what we could talk about with him. But I want to know more about you and the fact that, you know, everything in your life is, is so busy, not only is, you know, with, with Oliver and rallying and, and being involved very much in all of that, but you're working, have been working with Pirelli, with tyre development for, for WRC. And of course, we saw you a couple of weeks ago now in Sardinia on some stages, which was fantastic to see you on the power stage with, with Andreas Mickelson. Tell me a little bit about what you're involved in now and what the plan is for you for the future. Well, first of all, we did a rallycross uh, for Volkswagen. Uh, it was a uh, team corporation we did together. together. Mm. Um, it was a huge success. We, uh, we won everything and that was the two years also I was very, very sick. but. Uh, should maybe I'm not a driven, but my teammate Yvonne, he did a he did a great job, uh, and and uh, it was a really good fun. Volkswagen was really involved and really wanted to win also at the same time. Uh, but uh, we have to fix the budget to do it, and so that was good fun. Um, and now uh, after that, uh, you know, stopped up. You know, I've been ambassador for for. Uh, for Castrol and and for Volkswagen uh, with some of the cars, and then ambassador for Monster, um, you know, like uh, Monster Legends, and mm -hmm. uh, it's been incredible to work with them, all of them, you know, and I can tell my stories and and um, too bad it, it's been much less this year because of the situation, so. That's why we did a lot of gaming this uh, lockdown, you know. I noticed that. Petter Solberg yeah. behind the wheel in eSports. So that was actually, you know, Oliver started his championship, you know. I mean, he started Solberg World Cup. It was Oliver's ID. And he got 17,000 members wow. in the Solberg World Cup. Who was a great thing to continue to maybe meet different people. But keep the competition in it basically you know keep yeah. the involvement for social media and stuff so the numbers statistic numbers we have there is actually incredible and that was maybe some of the safety that he could keep his sponsors to do more rallies also yeah. you know very so clever. um yeah uh, that was actually a very good idea but we never thought it should be so popular mm. um so uh, for that point of view and uh, i did a lot of races myself also you know i was in this uh uh, legend races, uh, driving with Andretti and Alonso and Burton and Montoya and Castellanos. It was, and I, I must say, it's been a fantastic time. You know, you can think about that WhatsApp group we have with all the bullshit and discussions and somebody hitting each other and fighting. And I, I mean, I would never have been without it. And and also start to know completely different people from all over the world in different motorsports it was uh, uh, it was a great experience so yeah i've been busy enough uh, with that and trying to prepare oliver's car and of course he's driving with the skoda also not so many rallies as we hope for because of the less rallies in the world championship yeah. i'm working with Trying to get uh, more manufacturers into the WRC. I'm working on the side and that oh, stops up a little bit now. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop, stop right there. Don't mm. just glaze over that. I'm working to get more manufacturers into the WRC. Tell me a little mm. bit more about that. 
Petter Solberg? Well, I run the team since 2009 in rallying and rallycross, you know, and we have we have got up, uh, you know, a good plan, philosophy of, of how to win. You know, we won four, five, six world championship in rallycross, you know, with similar people like we had in rallying, uh, third place in rallying in the private team. So I think the the, the philosophy and, and, and how we work um, and what we have, you know, could be easily made over to to a plan for a manufacturers to to get into rallying basically you know so mm -hmm. it's it's my next dream i i achieved all my dreams so far in my career to be honest with you and um this is my next dream and i i want to achieve it and you know the rallying deserves it um so I'm doing my best, but it's not easy, like uh, like I say. So um, nothing, nothing that's worth it is ever easy. Though, no, no, it? no. But I'm doing my best. But I, I am. So know, who I just are you? Uh, who are you talking and, and to right now? I'm I'm talking to many. Many. Okay. So this is that's obviously more than one, more than two, more than three. No, but if, if if I can use my experience to get uh, manufacturers up, you know, and and. Uh, do it in cooperation properly, you know. Uh, they can be in charge, but they can be, you know, make everything happen for them. You know, it, it could be great. Oliver on, is on his own now and, and uh, looking like a good plan for the future. So uh, so maybe I have done my, my side there and uh, somebody else can take care of him there. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, so if are you... Are you seeing in, in your mind, Petra, are you seeing yourself like, like a Malcolm Wilson, for example, with what uh, he's done? Is that what you're kind of aiming for? Well, again, you know, Malcolm should have a big credit for what he have actually kept uh, rallying together in, in different situations, you know. So uh, I think me and Malcolm in some way are very, very similar. We have this huge massive passion for uh, for the sport and and we only want the best for the sport mm. um so why not i'm doing my best and then we just have to see and we know it's difficult times but uh, maybe now uh, it's like i try to tell people that if things are down now and everybody back off a little bit it's your chance to take market shares basically yeah. in a quick way through the the rallying uh, rallying world, so, and um, I think it's the time. This is the time to invest, and the future will be be better and and stuff. But then you're at least there and and you are ready. So, for me, I'm thinking opposite that this is the time to invest to to get back on track when everything is back on track again. Wow, well, th this is very exciting. Certainly, it's exciting times to hear that you are pursuing this kind of line um, moving forward. You, you mentioned it to me before and I, I got excited then. I'm even more excited now knowing you're still pursuing getting manufacturers on board and, and what the future could hold for you and for rallying if, if that would happen. And like you said, none of your dreams have failed so far, so I'm fully expecting no. this one to, to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but... Um... We, we we just have to we just have to see we have to see about how the marketing will be in the future now and you know uh, it's also 
you know, the promoter, you know, and now is the chance to get the TV audience up and going very, very good because of the the situation and and uh, and also the what the manufacturers want in the future or what type of technology. And it's very important that all the teams are working very close together, that doing the best for themselves, the sport. Uh, so we have a long future. And yeah. uh, so let's cross our fingers and, uh, and we will see. Yeah. Okay, one more question before I let you go, because I know you're a super busy man. Uh, you mentioned at the start of our interview that there's lots of cars in the workshop at the moment. Tell me what's going on in the workshop. What are you working on at the moment? Oh, that's that's a fantastic question, actually, <laughs> because now I got my new historic escort. You know, oh, that oh, I work for one yes. year. And I'm, I must say that this is, we have done in cooperation with Phil, uh, my co-driver, uh, working motorsport. And this car, I must say, is maybe the nicest car I, uh, we have. We have built. It's yeah. not much to complain on, I must say. And the last escort was also very good, but this one is, I'm really happy with. Ooh. It's a lot of details that uh, that the guys there have done, uh, you know, got into to really with their heart. And then I'm re uh, rebuilding all my Xaras. You know, I have one Xara with active diffs, one with mechanical diffs, and the C4, and my Rallycross car. And uh, how many cars in total have you got, Petter Solberg? I think I have 27. <laughs> but, but, but I'm rebuilding all the cars now to brand new, basically, yeah? to full wow. uh, official uh, uh, cars when they, uh, how they were. Mm. Um, so that's, that's, uh, that's really good. And Oliver's Polo, Polo also from, uh, from Portugal. So we have four or five cars sandblowed on the way to paint and uh, get them brand new all of them oh wow oh we need we need to see some evidence of of the result as well i, I want to see some some lovely social media videos about this and i'm sure the wider world would want to see them as well yeah you know this is historic cars you know um together with the subaru but that is brand new anyway uh, in in some way but um, this XRS, when Loeb drove them, Colin McRae, Carlos, it's great, and also the C4. Um, but the Rallycross car that I won two World Championship with, and Oliver the Nordic Championship, yeah, will look like brand new. Well, it's the car he used in Goodwood, up the hill, basically. Oh, okay. You know? Yeah. So that's also the car we. It's good memories that we have to take care of uh, in the family. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, Petter, it's been a real joy talking to you. And, um, you know, we could go into different areas of your career and we could be here for <laughs> hours. But I know that you are super busy and I don't want to hold you up anymore. But it is always lovely to speak to you. You're such a positive person. And it makes, I'm sure it's going to make everyone just feel that little extra bit better with their lives after hearing. Yeah, but I can tell you one thing. When people are so positive and pushing and, 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 uh, and, uh, and stuff, it's not everybody who likes that, I tell you, you know. I know, I know. No, no, it's not, it's not everybody who likes that, you know. Should be a little bit more depressed or uh, unhappy than, than everybody enjoy, but I don't care. Neither I'm, do I. Positivity rules. <laughs> Positivity exactly. rules. Okay. It's like I say, everybody, if you're going to do something, all in and 110%. If not, stay in the sofa. Very simple. <laughs> 
I yeah. think that is pretty good advice. I'm going to put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> That's really good advice. Petter, thank yeah. you so much for chatting with me. You take care of yourself. Good luck with the uh, restoration of the cars. I look forward to seeing yes. them. And uh, yeah, I look forward to hearing news on your, um, your next dream coming true. Yes. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks, Petter. For more great WRC content, head to WRC+. For thousands of hours of archive footage, from end-of-season reviews and onboards, to features on some of the legends of WRC, that is wrcplus.com, the home of WRC action.